Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, July 8th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. In breaking news today, President Biden signed an executive order directing the Department of Health and Human Services to expand access to the pills used in chemical abortions and to ensure that women are receiving all the abortifacient drugs and devices available under Obamacare. In an unprecedented move, the government also will assemble a team of pro bono lawyers to defend abortionists who perform abortion in states and under circumstances where it is banned. Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life said, there's really not much he can do. Breaking the law is breaking the law, period. The law is what it is determined by the people and not by Joe Biden. Janet Marana, Executive Director said Biden is telling the medical profession and the abortion industry that they can go ahead and break the law. He's saying, we got your back. It's despicable. Biden's order comes two weeks after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and returned regulation of abortion to the states. Since then, nine states have abandoned abortion and several others have implemented the heartbeat laws that protect babies from about six weeks gestation. The order signals that Biden has given in to pressure from the abortion advocates and raises the question of why he and the rest of the Democratic Party are so beholden to an industry that profits from the murder of the most innocent victims. Abortion continued to dominate the news this week with laws that will protect babies enacted in Mississippi and Florida. A 15-week law in Florida illustrates the quickly changing abortion landscape. On Tuesday, a judge declared the law unconstitutional and blocked its enforcement. Minutes later, Governor Ron DeSantis appealed the ruling and filed an emergency stay order, which allowed the law to take effect immediately. The American Civil Liberties Union and abortion providers plan to file a motion to reinstate the temporary hold on the law, and the case ultimately is expected to be decided by the Florida Supreme Court. All seven justices on that court have been appointed by Republican governors, which suggests the 15-week ban will become a permanent fixture in the Sunshine State. Previously, abortion was legal in Florida to 24 weeks. Despite the 15-week cutoff, Florida is expected to be an abortion destination for women in states like Alabama, where abortion is now illegal, and South Carolina, where abortions after six weeks are banned. In Mississippi, where a 15-week law was the case that led to the United States Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, abortion is now banned entirely after a judge allowed a trigger law to be enacted Thursday. The state's sole abortion business, the Jackson Women's Health Organization, known as the Pink House, has closed. The Value Them Both Amendment in Kansas is the first state constitutional amendment that will be going to the ballot post-Roe. The vote, which will take place on August 2nd, basically states that because Kansans value both women and children, the Constitution of the state of Kansas does not require government funding of abortion and does not create or secure a right to abortion. It further states that the people through their elected state representatives and state senators may pass laws regarding abortion, including, but not limited to, laws that account for circumstances of pregnancy, 
resulting from rape or incest or circumstances of necessity to save the life of the mother. At the NATO summit in Spain last Thursday, Joe Biden said he would support suspending the Senate filibuster rule to codify abortion rights, which were established in the Supreme Court's 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. His comments demonstrate his support for suspending a hurdle that has prevented Senate Democrats from making the decision federal law. Biden said that if the filibuster gets in the way, like with voting rights, we provide an exception for this. We require an exception of the filibuster for this action. Biden told reporters in Spain that he believes we have to codify Roe v. Wade into law, and the way to do that is to make sure Congress votes to do that. But with the Senate split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans, the GOP has been able to use the filibuster rule to stop the Dems' majority from approving abortion bills. Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, who is opposed to changing the filibuster rule, criticized Biden's remarks, stating, attacking a core American institution like the Supreme Court from the world stage is below the dignity of the president. Biden's attacks on the court are unmerited and dangerous. Javier Becerra, the radical pro-abortion head of the Department of Health and Human Services, has been in the news reassuring abortion providers that the Biden-Harris administration would continue to herd as many women, oops, sorry, as the left-wing extremists would say, as many birthing people as possible to their clinics. And that's the political news in a nutshell.
The Justice Department has warned states not to ban the drugs used in chemical abortion, with Attorney General Merrick Garland signaling he is ready to take legal action against those that do. Last month's Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade gave states the ability to ban abortion, including chemical abortion. A showdown is in the works. Google has announced it will delete location data after women visit abortion businesses in an effort to prevent such records from being used in prosecuting illegal abortions. Meanwhile, New York Attorney General Letitia James and other abortion activists, including 20 Democrats in the U.S. House and Senate, are pressuring the tech giant to remove pregnancy resource centers from its search results. This is yet another effort to ensure that women have no choice other than abortion. A new poll by Harvard University and the Harris Polling Company reveals that 75% of Americans agree the United States Supreme Court should not be deciding abortion policy. 44% of respondents said the states should regulate abortion and 31% said the task should fall to Congress. Just 10% of Americans agree with the abortion extremism of Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and the rest of the Democrats. 90 pro-abortion attorneys general and district attorneys across the country have pledged not to enforce laws that result in criminal charges for those performing or abetting illegal abortion. This is another example of the abortion distortion with those entrusted with enforcing our laws abdicating that responsibility. And finally, some good news. According to Operation Rescue, at least 49 abortion businesses across the country have closed since June 24th when the United States Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Expect more closures to follow. We've invited Bob Lalonde, Priest for Life representative to the United Nations and the Organization of American States to share his global perspective on the end of Roe v. Wade. Welcome, Bob. Bonjour. Can you tell us a little about your work on the international level for Priests for Life? Sure can. Um, I've actually been with Priests for Life for over 12 years. And before that, I was at Human Life International for 14 years. So always in the international space. And one of the things that Father Frank Pavone insists on is, is basically ending abortion in this country. And that's his contribution to the world. Because if we can end abortion in the United States, it'll have ramifications all around the world. And he's absolutely right. So that's what I do at the United Nations and at the OAS, the Organization of American States. I work with a great team. I work with um, Marie Smith. She heads up our operation called PNCI, Parliamentary Network for Critical Issues. And it's something that posts information every day on international events. And coincidentally, she's married to Congressman Chris Smith, and he's a pro-life uh, co-chair uh, in the House uh, of Congress. I'm thinking of House of Commons because of what's going on around the world, but in Congress. So he's very active in that field. So these are the kinds of things that I'm doing at Priest for Life. Awesome. Well, is the overturning of Roe v. Wade having an impact overseas? A hundred percent. First of all, it takes away the underpinnings of Roe v. Wade. And so internationally, it's the same thing. At the United Nations, they've been pushing the idea of there's a right, an international right to abortion. And it's really made out of whole cloth. Uh, it's not in the Charter of Rights that the country signed back in the 40s. It's just something that they've been building and artificially building upon uh, through different conventions and uh, over time. But there's no right to abortion uh, at the United Nations. There's no international right to abortion anywhere. But the thing is, is that they use language um, and then different states, different countries have adopted the language of Roe v. Wade. 
So they've all got this construct, and I compare it. My grandkids use this game called Jenga. So they use that, and they build up something, and eventually, you know, you pull one out, and the whole thing falls. And that's kind of where we're at with the United Nations right now and around the world, because these laws have been put in place based on Roe v. Wade, and they're all about to crumble. So it's a very interesting time. Um, a story in The Hill this week quoted leaders of pro-abortion organizations worrying that the Supreme Court has taken a step in a dangerous direction, to quote the leader of Human Rights First, in that it will embolden totalitarian rulers to strip rights from their people. Do you see any reason to believe that the sky is really falling where democracy is concerned? Yeah, that chicken little story, we hear it all the time. As I said, I've been doing this now for close to 38 years. And so it started at different times with overpopulation. We heard that the overpopulation was going to end the world. Then we heard global warming. Then we heard climate change and totalitarianism. Ironically, this very week in the European Parliament, you've got um, the parliament that's looking to speak to the, the decision on Dobbs and kind of return emphasis on the importance of abortion around the world. So they're trying to undermine the, the effect of the Supreme Court. And while they're doing that, they're preventing groups, pro-life groups, from actually speaking, from participating in this forum. So when you talk about totalitarianism, it's when, you know, you don't allow the other voices to, to speak. Uh, I think that's what's happening on their side. We had that at CSW, the Convention, a Commission on the Status of Women at the United Nations uh, just a couple of months ago, where pro-life voices were canceled, silenced, um, so that you're not hearing uh, opposition to what they're doing. So I think it's just it's just a story. No legs. Thanks, Bob. Well, since the Supreme Court decision two weeks ago, or really since it was leaked in May, what have people you regularly deal with in your work been saying uh, to you about Roe v. Wade being overturned? Great timing. Good question. Uh, I happened to be in Italy um, when that decision was leaked. I was there in part for the March for Life that they have. And that's something that, you know, um, America leads the world. That's why, again, it's so important because other countries will follow. So the Italian March for Life was based on the U.S. March for Life that's been taking place for over 38 years. And so I was there. I could see the effect on people. I spoke with senators in the Italian uh, parliament, and the effect was jubilation, if it were true. So at that time, it was kind of, we thought it might true be true. We thought it could happen, but there was still a lot of doubt. So the excitement was palpable and you could see it in the crowd. There were thousands of people and that's what they were talking about. What if this happens? And then once, once the decision was announced, uh, for instance, in Spain, thousands of people you know, gathered in the streets. So it's gonna have a big difference, a uh, big impact around the world for sure. Do you think the abortion situation in the United States will be a topic of discussion when the United Nations General Assembly convenes in September? Uh, absolutely. But even before that, for instance, um, actually, even next week, there's a ministerial meeting, a high level meeting that's taking place and uh, in ECOSOC. And as you know, um, Priest for Life is a member. So we would be participating in that. And, and it's already in draft uh, language. So there's going to be um, a draft document that's circulated and they're already talking about abortion then. And so the effect of uh, the Dobbs decision will, will be front and center in September. It's already starting. And just like us, they got the, the leak and advanced knowledge. So they're preparing to counter all that as well. So it's, it's gonna be an ongoing battle. And of course, where they are, it's important for them um, because funding is attached to that. So if it's considered a sacred right, and it's part of, for instance, the COVID package, 
there's a ton of money that follows there. So it, it's it's what funds all these groups, you know, and the United States is the biggest contributor um, to these funds around the world. So it, it'll be front and center for sure. Well, Bob, are there countries on the verge of legalizing abortion? And if so, will Roe v. Wade uh, being overturned help or hurt those efforts? Yeah, um, absolutely. There are countries on the verge. For instance, Chile um, is one. And I think Brazil could be another in the fall. These are all, and we see the importance of elections. You know, we say elections have consequences. And this is one of those cases where, you know, a change in president will make a whole difference. So Latin America is poised. It's, it's part of right now this green movement that's been pushing towards a more liberalized abortion. Latin America was, was predominantly pro-life. So we see these changes taking place. But it's going to have an effect. The uh, now pro-life groups are, are are going to. It's a shot in the arm. It's going to give them the strength, the arguments. When they say that, well, if the United States doesn't recognize it as a right, then why are we doing it? So it, it's going to make a big difference in Latin America. And in addition to that, countries that are being you know uh, pushed around because they've got pro-life laws um, are going to be in a better position because of DOMS as well. So, for instance, in, in Hungary and in Poland, Poland uh, had pro-life laws on the books uh, since 91, but they're being pushed by the European Parliament. So even though they're helping Ukraine, for instance, right now with refugees, they were being denied funding um, because of their uh, humanitarian uh, rights issues on abortion, not allowing abortion. So it's not just for those who are on the verge, but also for those who have pro-life laws on the books. So it's going to make a big difference there, too. All right, well, that's interesting. Thanks so much for joining us, Bob, and for giving our viewers a glimpse at how pro-life victories here are reverberating around the world. We hope you'll come back again. Will do. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Pro-abortion celebrities continue to share the stories of their own abortions. Some of them did it out of fear that their babies wouldn't be perfect. Others did it for convenience. But the truth that runs through many of these stories is that the abortion is something they will never forget. Cheryl Burke, a dance pro on the show Dancing with the Stars, said, if it wasn't for places like Planned Parenthood, I would be a mother. Truer words have never been spoken. Laura Prepon of That 70s Show and Orange is the New Black said she made the devastating decision to end her wanted pregnancy in the second trimester after being told the baby would not survive until full term. I empathize with anyone who has been faced with this impossible decision. If she had been under the care of a pro-life doctor, she might have had a very different outcome. Jill Zarin, one of the Real Housewives of New York, said if abortion had not been available to her when she was a teenager, who knows, I may have put it up for adoption and wondered my entire life, was it a mistake? Or maybe today she would have a relationship with that child instead of the memory of an abortion. Model Ireland Baldwin, the daughter of actors Alec Baldwin and Kim Bassinger, said she had a second abortion while involved in a bad relationship. We were very unhappy together, she said in a TikTok video, 
and he made it pretty clear that he never wanted kids or marriage. He barely wanted to be in a serious relationship. Maybe without abortion as a get-out-of-jail-free card, women will learn to be better advocates for themselves and end bad relationships. Model Tess Holliday was already a mother of two when she decided my mental health couldn't handle being pregnant again. She described the abortion as excruciating on many levels. She continues to be open about her mental health struggles, which did not end with the abortion. Dynasty actress Joan Collins was 26 when she had an abortion because a child would have been the death of my career. It would have ruined my life. Fleetwood Mac singer Stevie Nicks blames drugs for her abortion. I was doing a lot of drugs, she has said. I would have had to walk away. Whether she meant walk away from the drugs or the baby is unclear. Kill Bill star Uma Thurman has said of her experience, the abortion I had as a teenager was the hardest decision of my life, one that caused me anguish then and that saddens me even now. That she's sad even now, a mother of three children with a substantial body of work, tells us that abortion is not a quick fix. Her lingering sadness is the truth we should hear. I still think about it to this day, actress Amber Tamblyn has said about her abortion. That sentiment is echoed not only by these pro-abortion celebrities, but also by every woman who is part of the Silent No More awareness campaign. The difference is that most celebrities who talk about their abortions say they are still pro-choice. To read the testimonies of women who regret their abortion experiences and would like to spare other women that pain, go to abortiontestimony.com. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. We hope you will join us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. If you have an idea for a story or would like to expose something in the abortion industry, please email us at media at priestsforlife.org. We hope that you will support this show and all of our broadcasts, including Just Ask Janet and Primetime Live with Father Frank, by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager at Priests for Life. And I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. And remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.